0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter, verses 13 to 22. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation for the third Sunday in Lent comes from the Gospel of St. John that I just read for you a few minutes ago and serves as the basis of our theme, zeal for your house will consume me. In the movie Star Wars, the sage old man Ben Kenobi is riding with the young and optimistic Luke Skywalker, taking him on his first trip into the spaceport of Mos Eisley, telling you, "Luke, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy." That's how I feel about churches and pastors in particular, that misrepresent the gospel knowingly for personal gain, ambition, or even monetary profit. I have seen pastors take advantage of churches for their personal business they started, coaxing members into buying into their program, and then leave the full-time ministry to pursue their company's interest. Innocent enough, and certainly legal but violating all kinds of ethical boundaries for clergy. I have seen a pastor that flat out stole money from the congregation and sent it to his girlfriend back in an impoverished country. That one actually broke the law and is in jail today, thank God. I have even seen clergy prey upon women and even children, demonically destroying lives with their lewd and lascivious conduct. Fortunately, federal maximum security became their rightful, permanent dwelling place. While in today's gospel, the people in the positions of power were more like our first example, Jesus seems to overreact, like they were as heinous, as my final example. To understand why our Lord reacted the way he did, we must look more deeply at what he alone knew and listen to what he says. So it was quite the day in the house of our Lord when Jesus visited in our account from John. The pilgrims were coming from all around the region, and after a long journey, their first day in the temple complex looks something like this. First of all, they were certainly tired. Dust on their clothes, exhausted from finding a place to stay, inns and local families' homes all crowded at this time of the year with Palestine likely swelling to millions of people instead of the previously hundreds of thousands. There's only so much room and patience is running thin. Second, Many did not necessarily speak the language of the temple, nor did they necessarily carry the local currency required for the temple offering. Third, if they were able to bring their own animals, it still had to be examined by temple officials to guarantee it met the Levitical code of sacrifice for God. All of this could and should have been done legitimately. But we discover from Jesus they did not. And in fact, they were far from it. As soon as the people came with their temple sacrifice of cattle, sheep, or doves that they brought themselves, merchants would immediately approach them, suggesting that their animals did not meet the Levitical Code. And they would need to buy the cattle, sheep, and doves they had in order to satisfy God. Just imagine, taking those animals along for the trip, feeding, watering, and caring for them, only to be told you would have to discard them for the better product they would have to pay for again. Then they would make their way to the money changers. Having larger denominations of coins for ease of travel, they would exchange it for smaller denominations for the reasonable temple tax required by God, but the money changers charged an exorbitant exchange fee, which Luther dubbed as crass commercialism. Or, because they were foreigners, they would have to exchange for the Hebrew shekel. Most likely, the usual racism and arrogance for the foreigner would ensue, even though they were all Jews. They were not necessarily the venerable Judeans of Jerusalem, And the Judeans, who hated Jesus, by the way, likely had no problem letting everyone know it. Literally, they were taxed for their taxes and sacrificed even more for their sacrifices. So had it not been for their respect for the temple, their respect for the priest, and their respect for the process of honoring their God with their tithes and sacrifices, they would have been tipping tables and taking names. The merchants and the money exchangers were committing false witness, stealing and coveting what did not belong to them by the teachings of Leviticus. It was a corrupt system that took advantage of the poor and enraged our Lord Jesus. In today's lesson, he admonished them for making God's house a literal emporium. And we learn from Matthew and Mark, that he charged them with the undeniable crime of making his father's house a den of robbers. Now, Jesus' anger was threefold. The first fold, number one, they knew what was right and what was wrong. They worked the most closely with the most educated rabbis and temple priests. They knew exactly what the Levitical law of God said. They were the venerable Judeans that were the tip of the spear for theology and practice. Ignorance of the law could never be their excuse for breaking the law, but break the law they did. That's like governing officials who know the law because many were savvy in civil governance or even practiced in law, finding ways themselves to disobey the spirit of the law in order to gain personally, sometimes so cleverly that it's virtually impossible to prove. I'll never forget a dear friend of mine who worked at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. as a background security clearance investigator. When he was investigating a high-level bureaucrat who was applying for a higher security clearance, he would probe them about their past and ask them if they had indeed committed a crime or performed unethically in a particular way. Their answer, if you can believe this, was always, can you prove it? And if my friend showed them that he could, they would answer honestly. But if not, as the mafia says, They would deny till they died. Number two, these were the people knowingly committing crimes against the most vulnerable. These are the unethical insurance salesmen and fundraising scam artists that pose as trustworthy people that are there to care for the elderly or disenfranchised and then take their hard-earned money or life savings. Make-A-Wish Foundation is a wonderful organization that helps provide once-in-a-lifetime trips or experiences for children with life-ending cancer diagnoses. About 30 years ago in Denver, Colorado, a woman who managed just such an organization was actually stealing money from the foundation for her own luxury trips. The community thought they could trust her when she was actually taking advantage of the most vulnerable in the community instead. Finally, number three, they were brazenly and unapologetically doing all of this in the house of the Lord. The one place we would all agree should be held sacred was violated by their greed and indifference to the glory of God. I have to admit, this terrifies me as your pastor every time I step on this campus or go out in my clerical collar to serve God's sinners and saints. Have I led with an inclination towards monetary gain rather than spiritual care? Have I served selfishly rather than sacrificially? Have my ambitions gotten in the way of my loyalty to the congregation and God's will? Then I remember who Jesus is in our lives. He is the one who overturns our monetary piles of selfish absorption. He is the one who pours out offerings that are anything but sacred and sacrificial. He is the one who drives out our self-centered ambitions and whips our sinful hearts into souls that seek him as our savior. He said that he would destroy the temple they were sacrificing at and rebuild it in three days. A Statement as unbelievable to the Judeans in their day has any notion that the World Trade Center in New York could ever come down in our day. And while both the trade centers and even the temple came down, Jesus was talking about his body and he did what only God could do. He turned the cross upside down, making it the very seat of his glory where he decreed that we are no longer sinners but rather saints in his kingdom by faith in his power to save us by sacrificing himself for us. He is the one that tells us the truth which so few want promoted in our world today. He is risen and this is our sanctuary. And always has been and always will be the Father's house. Every biblical Christian sanctuary, everywhere in the world, is the eternal Father's dwelling place, and every Christian is protected by confessing together, Zeal for your house will consume me too. Amen. Now, may that peace which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.